Let's Keep Driving, a weird travel podcast where me and my friends gather in a room to discuss a place off the beaten path. And today, I got two very special guests with me, James and Austin. Say hi. Hey, it's me. Is this, is this room off the beaten path? Is this what we're talking about We're not today? talking about this room. We're talking oh, about man. somebody else. That'd be crazy, because this room is it's pretty cool. out there, man. There's like... A phone on a poster on the wall? It's nuts. We got yeah. some dope geometrical shapes. I still don't know what they do. They block the sound. Oh, that makes much more sense. Yeah. So no one else can hear us screaming in agony. Yeah, no. because Lucky you're gonna. Man. it's going to be intense. It's going to be intense today. Because today, we're talking about not just the place. We're talking about a, a, a legend. A man. A legend? He's a legend. You guys know anything about Colonel Sanders? I know he, he makes some good, good fried chicken. With, with 11 secret herbs and spices. I didn't know it was 11, surprisingly, it's, despite all the research I did on oh, Colonel Sanders. There's, but there's 11 secret herbs and spices. I know that he has a cool mustache and a funny hat. Well, this is perfect then, because I... I also know he's now well, Biba McIntyre. We're going to get to that. <laughs> we're going to get to that. We're going we're gonna to have a whole discussion about that at the end. <laughs> so, we're going to talk about the Mandalith, the legend, Colonel Sanders, and his first... KFC place. But first we have to understand the man, how he came to be. So let me take you back. Let's get back in our time machine. Let's open the door. Let's step inside. Let's go back to 1890. September. It's a nice September day. It's the 9th of September in a four-room house located three miles east of Henryville, Indiana. And a young man is born, Harlan David Sanders. I have a question. Okay. Was he born with a mustache? I would imagine he was not born with a mustache. Well, I'd like to imagine he was. I don't think he was, because, uh, you know, most children aren't born with mustaches. Well, uh, was he at least born a colonel? No. Colonel's something you got to work for, man. And he's, not, and he's not even in Kentucky, so everything I know is already a lie. Everything you know is already a lie, which pretty much sums him up. <laughs> he was the oldest of three children born to Wilbur, David, and Margaret Ann, and his father was a mild and affectionate man who worked on his farm until he broke his leg after a fall. Ooh. So then he worked as a butcher in Henrysville for two years. So, very, so, typical childhood. I mean, his dad's getting hurt a bit. and uh, But his mom, she's a very devout Christian, strict parent. She's continuously warning her children of the evils of alcohol, tobacco, gambling, and whistling on Sundays. So your typical old-fashioned American. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. In the 1800s, this was just casual person. Yeah, man, you don't whistle on no Sundays. You don't no. whistle on Sundays. In fact, in many cultures, whistling or making whistling noises at night is thought to attract bad luck, bad things, or evil spirits. Is that Only true? the devil whispers on I Sundays. looked this up, man. Oh my they God. were talking about Colonel Sanders' mother being afraid of whistling. I was like, well, I need to find out the reasoning behind this, so I looked it up. No. I have a question. Wait, I have a question. I don't want to... No, no, go ahead. Is Colonel Sanders a real person? He is. Harlan David Sanders. Oh, I thought this was like... The back, I thought this was the backstory to the fictional character. Well, he's not fictional. He, he's based off a real person. He is? There is a Colonel Sanders. <laughs> this is about Colonel Sanders. I assume that this is... I misunderstood. Continue. While, while okay. bursting the bubble, there is actually a Wendy as well. Mm. Well, I knew about Wendy. <laughs> All mascots <laughs> got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, she's you know? in the commercials. I mean, Colonel Sanders used to be in the commercials. Already. Is there a Ronald like McDonald? He's dead now. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? Wait, what? Ronald McDonald? Is Ronald. there a Ronald McDonald? I don't know. I mean, I, I think I'm there's pretty a sure Ronald. he's fictional. Okay. Uh, I mean, but Grimace, he's real. All right. That makes me feel happy. <laughs> so in the summer, <laughs> the summer of 1895, 
His dad comes home. Just wanted to picture this. You know, it's hot summer. Dad's come home. Harlan's around. The family's around. You know, there's no school. Dad's coming home from probably smells like raw meat. He's been working all day in the butcher factory. And he comes home with a fever. Oh, that's not good. And then he dies later that day. Oh. Oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, did, someone, did someone get back to, to the butcher? Because all that meat he was working on, you probably don't want to sell. I mean, listen, this is 18, early 1900s. People still get salmonella poison. Yeah, but, but they, they probably just, like, sprayed it with, like, holy water and yeah, called it a day. It probably was not <laughs> the biggest concern. Uh, but basically, this is this is a bit of a problem because, you know, this is also a time where it's like, you know, the man in the ha- is in the household and he provides all the food and the money. Oh, yeah, that means, uh, what's, what's the colonel's first name? Harland. Harland's got to step up and become a colonel now. Well, he has to become a man. You know, cur- again, you have to earn the colonel. Like, earning the colonel. Yeah, by stepping up and becoming the man of the house, obviously. Well, first his mother obtains a uh, obtains work in a tomato cantery. And Harland, he, he does have to step up. And he, he's looking out after his, chil- his sisters and brothers that he has. And uh, by the age of seven, he was reportedly, and I don't know why this is reported, because it's such an odd, like, fact for somebody to notice Unless he was, uh, he had to be amazing. That he was reportedly skilled with bread and vegetables and improving with meat. What does that mean? How could he be skilled at bread? And well, just, I don't know. Making he used bread, like the bread and vegetables, in a way to make the meat. Yeah. It's almost like he found the secret to eleven herbs and spices. It didn't. Ha- I don't know yet. He's working his way up. <laughs> He's definitely on the rise of becoming an herb and spice master. <laughs> I just all I get from that is he's really good at making some sandwiches. That's yeah. he his his siblings were like he was pretty great. He was the best of us at making sandwiches, and they were like, oh, it was the beginning. Do you think in uh, in some alternate world, KFC is a sandwich joint instead? I'd, I'd prefer I'd prefer like I would totally go to KFC if it was a sandwich joint. Ooh, then just like, be Subway. Yeah, but like. Nah, but it like a good sandwich. Okay. Subway, but with 11 herbs and spices. And, yeah. And a non child molester. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. What? You yeah. know about uh, Fogel? Wait, what? You don't know about Jared Fogel? Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about the Colonel still. No! Oh, no. I thought you were calling the Colonel. No! Still. No, yeah, I'm fully aware of Jared. No, no Jared. the Colonel is a wholesome man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so. The children would forage for food while their mother was away for days at a time. Uh, and when he was 10, Sanders began to work as a farmhand. Nice. Yeah. So then, 1902, Sanders' mother re- remarried to this guy named William Brodus, and the family relocated to Greenwood, Indiana. I, I, don't, I, don't, know, I don't know this William Brodus fellow, but I don't trust him. You don't trust him? There's something about the name Brodus. Maybe it sounds too much like Brutus. Yeah. Uh-huh. But... Just the name Brodus, I don't trust I'm that. sure it'll turn out fine. I'm sure, uh, the, you know, it's the worst that could happen, right? Not much. Yeah, uh, yeah, Sanders' relationship with his stepfather was turbulent at best. Oh, boy. According to my notes. And in 1903, he dropped out of the seventh grade, stating that algebra is what drove me off. Hmm. That's fair. That's it's fair. very fair. Yeah. So, like, how, how often have you actually used algebra in life? So at the age of, like... A lot of your business majors. 12 or 13... He, he he went to live and work on a nearby farm. So he's 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 dropped out of school. His dad died. He's in charge of the family. He's only like he you know what I was doing at eleven or twelve? Not that. Not what yeah, he no. was doing. It, yeah. When I was eleven, I think my day consisted of waking up, going to school, and then living in my basement 
until the sun would rise and then I'd go to school. <laughs> so then yeah, he no man is similar. So then he leaves home and he takes a job painting horse carriages in Indianapolis. And then he moves again to southern Indiana to work as a farmhand. You'll notice this is a repeating theme yeah. throughout Sanders' life. He likes to move. He's not a guy that like likes to stay and do one thing for a very long time. Either professionally or personally, he will not do something for a very long time. He's a lone just, wandering soul. Yes. I'm just waiting for him to wander in that great state of Kentucky <laughs> and for the fried, the fried chicken to begin. Yeah, well, the journey, man. It's about the journey. It's I'm not about the there. It's a, it, We're building up right now. In 1906, with his mother's <laughs> approval, Sanders left the area to live with his uncle in New Albany, Indiana. And his uncle, he works... New Albany. New Albany. Albany 2.0. Yeah, yeah, not like that shitty old Albany in New York. I mean, if you're naming your city New Albany, that's not a good... New anything is just terrible. Like, New Jersey, New York. Like, uh, I mean... I mean, I wouldn't put New York, like, next to New Jersey. Of course, but, like... It, it literally is next to New Jersey, but, but like... But we don't want it Jersey, We don't associate Jersey's so much Jersey. worse. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> it's like it's like dead weight. Yeah. You know? It comes a point where you just gotta cut it off. Um, so, basically, his uncle, he works for the streetcar company, and he's like, hey, uh, I'll get you a job as a conductor. And Sanders is like, all right, cool. And uh, he does that, and... Uh, Basically, he does that for a bit, and then he decides in October that year he's going to do what any sortable man will do. He falsifies his date of birth and enlists in the United States Army. This is where, this is it. Yep. This is the start. The, the, the legend begins here. And he became a wagoner in Cuba. Huh. Yeah. All right, yeah. And then that he was, was honorably somewhere. discharged in February 1907. For what? As a colonel? No, just that was it. Uh, he was just a uh, wagoner. So he never was a colonel? No, of course not. So he's not a colonel? He's not a colonel. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of people pretend to be colonels. It's just a... I feel it's not high enough where it can like get suspicion, like yeah. if you're not a colonel. But it gets just the right amount respect to where you want to buy chicken from him. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's a happy medium. I personally am more of a fan of Sir... Like, if I'm going to buy something from somebody, if they're a sir, I take that a little bit more serious than colonel. Colonel sounds like the, he never what left about, the military. It's always got. What about Colonel Mustard? It, the military's always got. Also, he's in a game about murder and suspecting people for murder. So I'm not sure he's, like, the best person to, like, yeah, Colonel Sanders, he's a great guy. No. Or Colonel Mustard. Colonel Mustard I mean, <laughs> oh, Colonel my God. Do you imagine guy. Colonel Sanders in his place? <laughs> yes, I can, though. That's the scary part. Oh, I could no. totally see Clue with Colonel Sanders, and it would be amazing. What's so, this, uh, who, does, who does Clue? Parker Brothers? I think so. so hey, hey, Parker Brothers, if you're listening, and we know you are, um, we, we totally buy a version of Clue with just fast food mascots. <laughs> yeah, I, pinning up the Colonel with Grimace would be very choice. Yeah. He was purple. You got your Professor Plum right there. Yeah. So, See, it writes itself. Um, so, basically, he moves to Sheffield, Alabama, where he has another uncle. He's living there. God, he's still not in Kentucky yet. Yeah. He's close. He's getting does, there. Does he ever... Does he actually... You can't rush the story, man. I mean, he's not a colonel. Maybe he never even went to Kentucky. He did go to Kentucky. You're gonna... We're gonna get to it. It just takes a while. Jeez. Patience. 
I'm just saying he's moved like ten times already. I know he has. You can't rush art, and you can't rush an amazing Colonel Sanders story. <laughs> so he moves to with his uncle and his brother Clarence. Uh, he comes with because he basically wanted to escape their stepdad. Stepdad wasn't the greatest guy on the earth. Called it. The uncle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good call. Good call. Because because of his name. So the uncle works uh, for Southern Railway. And he secured Sanders a job as, like, a blacksmith's helper in the workshop. And after two months, Sander moved to Jasper, Alabama, where he got a job cleaning out ash pans of trains from the Northern Alabama Railroad. What a, like, strange job from one to the other. Yeah. On one hand, you're learning how to, like, I don't know, probably, like, forge, what is it? Metal. Well, yeah, metal, but what are the things that go on horses? Uh, horseshoes. Horseshoes. Yeah. Good good job there, pal. Thank you. That's what I'm You know, for. the shoes for the horses? Yeah. You know those things that go on the bottom of the shoes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those little, the metal U's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like you're learning how to do that. You're making like, I don't know, like probably like railroad tax and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you come out of learning all that and you just clean an ashtrays. Listen, you yeah. don't know how great a job ash pan dispensary is i feel like it's it's not but it pays i feel like it's not a dream job but it's a job as my dad would say it's a job you That's know fair. it you know get a job is more important than you know you could like the job get a job you like later you want a job that pays well first you know so uh, i should also mention uh after this he becomes a fireman huh he was only 16 or 17 years old during Jesus all this. Jesus Christ, I thought he was like 20-something. No, he's 16 no. or 17 years old. So, like, what if, since you said in an alternate universe, he created a KFC was a sandwich joint, what if he also just created Firehouse Subs? It all ties into each other. It doesn't tie into each other. Firehouse oh my Subs God. is the way that our universes collide. <laughs> oh, my God. The first uh, time paradox whatever is going to start. I literally just brought up the fact where he's only 16 or 17. I was like, I was expecting like a big discussion from this. And you're like, well, what about firehouse subs? I'm like, really? Your eyes aren't open. You're not seeing the truth. Uh, The truth (laughs) is quite clear. The man. Oh, gosh. It's like, what is it? 1907? Uh, 1909. 1909. You know, people, people were still, people were still dying at, at 35. He was, yeah. he was about to go through his midlife. He was going through his midlife crisis. I'm pretty These sure it's a quarter years. life. Quarter life crisis. Quarter life. Not if he's dead at 35. Okay, then yeah, midlife crisis. Got to get it in early. Exactly. Got to schedule that. So then in 1909, he be- did laboring work in Norfolk and Western Railway. And while he was working on the railroad, he meets the love of his life. It's got to be a chicken. Josephine King. She's not a chicken. Damn it. I wish she was. And the two got married. And the two would go on to have a son, Harlan Jr. Poor bastard. Junior is like... I always I don't get why people call Junior. It's like the least junior. creative or egotistical. Either one. Junior's bad. The third is good. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you're working towards a third, it's okay. But if you're just going like, well, we should call him Junior because that was my name. Like, See, but to get to uh, the third, someone's got to take. Someone's got to take. Someone, the bullet. Yeah. yeah. Someone's got to bite the bullet. True, but I don't think he was going for that. Harlan seems like the kind of guy that that has a bit of an ego. You'll come to see that very quickly. Oh, I'm very excited to see the um, kind of egotistical. Ar- Harlan Junior died in 1932 from oh. infected tonsils. Uh, but he also had two daughters, Margaret Sanders and Mildred Sanders Ruggles. 
What was that name? Mildred Sanders Ruggles. R- Ruggles. Ruggles. Wait, why Ruggles. does why does she have? Because she got married. Last name. I imagine something. Oh. Yeah. I thought like she just came out the womb and like this is no, Mildred R- that. San- like, Sanders Ruggles. Ruggles needs to be a hot dude for a name like that to <laughs> yeah. you know garter marriage. True. He became so after that he becomes a firefighter in Jackson, Tennessee, and he's also he's he, he he's clever. This guy, he's clever. He's studying. He's studying law by correspondence through La Salle Extension University. Wait, who's who's studying? Colonel Sanders is a firefighter while also studying law, like and, through correspondence. And he's how old? At La Salle Extension University, like twenties. God. Well, I'm just waiting. Could you imagine having a kid right now and then, like, no. leaving? Yeah, I know, right? And then all of a sudden, like, in the middle of, like, like I don't know, world cinema or whatever class you're supposed to be in, just like, oh, hold on, I got to put out a fire, guys. <laughs> B.O.B. He's, he's, keep, he's keeping himself busy, you know? In those I'm just, times. I'm just waiting for, like, the revelation where he just, like, opens his eyes and he's like, chicken. <laughs> <clears throat> so Sanders lost his job at Illinois after brawling with a colleague. Yes, Colonel. Which, again, it's a recurring theme. He either leaves the job or, like, punches somebody and then leaves the job. That's the best way to leave a job. Yeah. So, apparently, during this time, his wife, she's had enough of this shit. She's like, I don't know. The fact that, you know, he's busy making those calls during, at fire, fire calls, fire calls. He's making fire calls. He's, like, you know... Uh, studying law probably doesn't have that much time for the family. Punching colleagues, losing jobs. She she's like, all right, I'm taking the kids. I'm gonna go live with my family. And Sanders, uh, he doesn't take it that well. I mean, you know, uh, his family's left him. He's all alone. So he decides the only way to get over this is to be a responsible adult, take some time to himself, look at where he wants to be. You know, he's been jumping around dot to dot everywhere. So, he doesn't do that. Oh, <laughs> great. Sanders went to Jasper, Alabama, where the Kings lived, which is his wife's family, and oh. hid in the woods near his in-law's house, <laughs> planning to kidnap his children when they came out to play. Oh, my God. When the wait, ki- wait, wait, what did yeah. we say earlier about Fogles? Dude, was it me who called him a wholesome character? <laughs> I take it back. You take it back? He's not wholesome? He's, he's gonna go. He's steal just some emotional. Kids. He just wants to see his kids. He's hiding in the woods. Yeah, I'm sure just behind a bush, just looking, peeking out, making sure that his wife isn't there. Yeah, he's just gonna take uh, his kids for a ride. That's that's a no no. No, that's a big no no. So yeah. so, I just want to make the. So, Colonel Sanders is a wholesome figure. Austin, you're gonna take it back that quote. I'm gonna, you know what? It, let's let's uh, let's take the quote. Colonel Sanders is a wholesome character. The guy. Kind of cross out wholesome <laughs> and then just write problematic favorite. Okay. <laughs> that, I like that wording. That works a lot better. All right. So the kids, they don't come outside. Sanders, he comes out of the woods and he goes up to the door and knocks on the door and his father-in-law answers. And he and him talk for a bit. And then he goes inside and makes peace with his wife. Huh. Oh, cool. So he didn't need to hide in the woods. Yeah. But basically, it's just really funny to me that he's like, I'm going to kidnap my wife and kids. And he knocks on the door and the dad's like, hey, want to come inside? It's like, sure. 
Yeah, I mean... Did he say he was in the woods? Do you know if that's in, like, in your research anywhere? I mean, he admitted in his autobiography that he was debating being in the woods kidnapping his kids. Like, this is from his own words. Oh, my God. Yeah. It just seems like... I just like that his, like, his... The way his, like, logic leaped. He's like, well, my wife left me. I could either, A, try to talk to her, or B, hide in the woods and kidnap my children. Yeah. And he just he was just, like, right to B. I'm not the best talker, <laughs> but I, I could squat in a bush for a long time <laughs> if I need to. So, Sanders, now his life's starting to get on track. He's got the kids back. He's got his wife. Begins to practice law again in Little Rock. He's, he's trying to make it back. He does it for three years, and he earns enough in his fees for his family to move in with him. This man's back on track. He's back on the ball. He's I'm finally I'm getting... In Arkansas? In Arkansas. He's All finally right. getting some leeway, and he's then... He's everywhere. His moves around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Colonel Sanders has probably seen more of America than I will ever see. Yeah, seriously. So, then his legal career ends after a courtroom brawl with his own client. Nice. <laughs> Nothing else says Sanders more than fighting your own <laughs> client. Yes. I just love this guy. Like, I wish I could be there for that. Yeah. So then Sanders moves back with his mother in Henryville. <laughs> the sign that things are going great. It's the sign of a defeated man. Yeah, that is the sign that you traveled all over the world, you did all these jobs, and then at the end of the day you're like, Fuck it, I'm just going back with my ma. Did he drag his family around with him? Or did they, like, have like, I, a home I country? think at this point, he's just by himself. Okay. I think at this point, his wife's like, He got him I, back. I can't rely on you. You're brawling with clients in the courtroom. Uh, uh, Harlan Jr. is going to die of tonsillitis in a couple of years. Like, I, I need to find a real man. So, um... Or that, or in 1916, the family moved to Jeffersonville where Sanders got a job selling life insurance. So they eventually, they hop back and forth. They, with him. They, he figured so, himself out a little. Yeah. So he, he figures it out. He's like, I don't want to live with my mom forever. Um, and he decides, I'm going to start selling life insurance with the Prudential Life Insurance Company. And then he gets fired hmm. for insubordination. What does that mean? How can you be insubordinate in a life insurance That's company? fancy code for probably he, he punched up somebody. He definitely <laughs> punched somebody. <laughs> 100%. He just, I don't know, I just imagine, like, he was trying to convince someone they needed life insurance. Like, oh, I don't need life insurance. Oh, yeah, know. buddy? <laughs> yeah. Just beats him with a chicken stick. <laughs> he's like, oh! So then, it's 1920. So, I should also mention, this man was born. He's also not Do 30. some math. 1890, 1920. By, by the time this man is hit 30, he's lived, like, five lives. Five lives. He established a ferry boat company. Oh, boy. And operates a boat on the Ohio River between Jeffersonville and Louisiana. Now, can I ask you a question, yeah. Frank? And I don't want to jump the boat. Okay. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Does he beat up somebody and they end up falling off of his boat? Because that's the only path this man can logically take at this point after punching, I think, seven other potential <laughs> clients. <laughs> well, the good news is the ferry, for once in his life, it was successful. Oh like, boy. something involving him was successful. And because there was a demand for it, and people wanted to travel back and forth. And around 1922, he takes a job as a secretary of the Chamber of Commerce in Columbus, Indiana. What? Yeah. So He doesn't like being held down for a very long no, time. Things are on the up and up. I just yeah. have a question. Okay. I'm like, 
financially, how can he recover? Because he had a lot of losses. Yeah, where is he getting all his money like, to start did, this business? Yeah. I mean, he probably took out a couple bank loans, you know. It is the tr- 20s. Yeah. That's true. Great Great Depression money doesn't happen exist. Yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, money isn't even a real thing. It's just kind of like, haha, we have money. Exactly. Everywhere. I mean, he clearly was pretty good at it because, I mean, they or people thought he was because he was elected to the Chamber of Commerce. But he says that he wasn't very good at the job, and then he resigned less than a year later. All right. Well, you know, you got to try things in life. Yeah. So he cashes in his ferry boat company shares, which was around $22,000, and that would be three hundred and sixteen. Thousand dollars today. Oh, which is a decent chunk that's of a money. Good, yeah, that's a good amount of money. And he uses the money to establish a company manufacturing in. Please say it. Lamps. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> what is the Colonel Why is he doing? Building lamps. It, they're lamps that are gas lamps, basically. They're. Uh, I, I can't. Did they really work with this, uh, But it's. I, I'll, oh, I got I, you. Yeah, They're like basically gas lights. Acetylene, I think. Yeah, it's yeah, like a type of gas like light. Can I ask you a question? Do these gas lights work with eleven special <laughs> gases? Clearly, <laughs> they spices. didn't ha- work very well uh, because the venture failed because of the introduction of an electric lamp that th- was sold on credit. Edison. Edison. No, actually, business. Delco. Right. Delco. 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 And uh, credit. Which, you know, that's what led to the collapse of, like, the 1920s so fake stock money. market. Fake money killed the colonel. Yeah, basically. Well, yeah. for now, he's killed. So I then mean, he moves to Winchester, Kentucky. Oh, oh here, we here we go. And he decides he's going to work as a salesman for Michelin Tire Company. We're, uh, this is the closest <laughs> we've got. I'm not going to complain yeah. this time. Like, it's got to be just around the corner. And then he loses his job in 1924 when Michelin closes their New Jersey manufacturing plant. Wait, Michelin exists at this point? Yeah. How long have cars been around? Since, Since the early 1900s. Yeah. But, like, cars weren't, like, a, a big... Well, they weren't the big. The tires were skinny. I feel like they didn't need to but be... But someone like, still had to make them. Yeah. That's fair. And he's also a salesman. Be <laughs> he's selling those tires. Did the Michelin man exist in the 20s? I, I don't know. I hope so, but I, I just hope, hope so. he was just kind of like a creepy old-timey looking mascot. <laughs> yeah. Like giant Muppets at Disney. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and in 1924, by chance, he met the general manager of Standard Oil of Kentucky. And he's like, hey, I want you to run a service station in Nicholasville. And uh, Colonel Sanders is like, yeah, sure thing. And then 1930, the station closed as a result of the Great Depression. Uh-huh. But, but, this was the start of something good. Because in 1930, the same year, the Shell Oil Company offered Sanders a service station in North Corbin, Kentucky, rent-free, in return for paying them a percentage of sales. All right. If if anybody could benefit off of the Great Depression, it just so happens to be the colonel. Yeah. And you know what Colonel Sanders started to do? Raise chickens. He began to serve chicken dishes and other meals such as country ham and steaks. Here we Uh, go. This is it. This Initially, the epi- not what, what's the wrong for? The oh, climax. Um, no, look, this is oh, the climax. climax. This is no. Thing. This isn't the climax. Oh, this is more. this is just this is rising action. Oh boy. Yeah. So initially, he served the customers in his adjacent living quarters, but it started being so successful, he starts to open a restaurant. So KFC was successful in the Great Depression. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's some pretty yeah. good business. Yeah. That's some pretty good chicken. Yeah. 
And what Sanders lacked in business skill, he made up in passion. So Sanders painted a large sign pointing cust- potential customers from the highway <laughs> towards his gas station in Corbin, Kentucky. And wait, it would wait, wait, so you're calling passion just putting up a giant sign? <laughs> this was their quote. I found this quote and said, what Sanders lacked in business skill, he more than made up for passion. And then it was By like... putting up a sign. He put up a sign. He advertised <laughs> his restaurant. Well, you'll, you'll see what I mean when it, he gets a little bit more passionate than that. Uh, so he basically has the sign, right? And he has an own... There's an owner of a competing gas station. Uh, his name is Matt Stewart. And Stewart's like, Fuck that guy. Can't believe he put up a giant-ass sign to advertise. So he paints over Sanders' sign. Oh, what a dick. Yeah. This man, does this man know anything about the colonel? Because I feel like he's he, just going to get the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, That's going right. to be the resolute. Well, Sanders then threatened to blow his goddamn head off. There it is. <laughs> That's my colonel. That's not even... Colonel. And that is not me, like, paraphrasing. He legitimately said he was going to blow his goddamn head off. Jesus and repainted the sign himself. So then uh, Sanders discovers Stewart once again painting over the sign. Oh my god, this guy doesn't know when to quit. He and two Shell officials ran to catch him red-handed, and they were armed. Why oh was Stewart so mad about advertising? Because this was the Great Depression, man. This was their livelihood, to be it was, fair. It was, it was eat or be eaten? Yeah. But like at the same time, I wouldn't fuck with the colonel. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't mess with the colonel. So, as I said, he and the two Shell officials, they go over there, and what resulted was a gunfight. Oh, my God. The Shell's manager was killed, and Sanders shot Stewart in the shoulder. And the fight gave Sanders complete control over the gas station market in the area after his competition (laughs) was sent to jail for murder. Wait, who was sent to jail for murder? Stewart, because he murdered the the Shell employee in the gunfight. God, the colonel is really just an American hero. (laughs) (laughs) Go, colonel. Man, although I wish I could time travel. This is the only reason I'd ever time travel back to the Great Depression. I want some of. I want some of this chicken. Because I can't. You know, you go to a KFC now. It's not worth murder. It's not not worth murder. murder. It's like barely real chicken. I want to go there and I want to ask the colonel if I could work for him, just so I could one day help him potentially kill another competitor. I mean, just don't agree to manage his shell Basically. Because <laughs> yeah. that's how you get murdered. That's true. So now his only competition is locked away. So Sanders is like, all right, time to expand. We're going to expand through the Appalachian region and eventually throughout the world. Maybe he didn't know through the world at the time, but he was like, we're going we're gonna to get bigger. He's yeah. getting ambitious. So He's 1935. Like, we'll Louisiana. <laughs> Good old Louisiana. Why Louisiana? I don't know. Why That's not? Such an oddly specific. I would think any other place but there. Like. Nope. Uh, you don't know this about Louisiana. It, that's that's the chicken capital of America. Um, when I think. Louis- gonna, I apologize to the real chicken capital of America. You unless don't even know is, the real chicken capital of America. Unless it is in Louisiana. Could be anywhere, honestly. I think no. Louisiana's gumbo, right? I'm yeah. Gonna, yeah. Hurricanes, gumbo, and and voodoo, Louisiana. Fast. Um, so, uh, in 1935, Sanders was commissioned by the Kentucky governor, Ruby Lafoon, as the Kentucky colonel. So, just just so I can figure this out for myself. Okay. To become a colonel, yeah. all you have to do is put up a sign on a highway, yeah. get somebody else to paint over it a few times, yeah. shoot him in the shoulder, yeah. get that guy into prison yeah. for shooting another man dead, okay. and then opening a chicken restaurant. 
But not a real chicken restaurant. A gas station chicken restaurant. Yes. Yeah. The Colonel's a hero. <laughs> <laughs> the Colonel is a hero. Also, just to, uh, you know, cover my own tracks here, um, the chicken capital of America <laughs> is Gainesville, Georgia. What? Okay. Yeah, it's the po- It's called, you know, it is often called the poultry capital of not just America, the world. All right, guys, I know what my next episode is going to be on because that sounds amazing. Um, so. I'm surprised it's not Kentucky. Yeah, no, Kentucky sports though. Like, it's That's true. Blue- it horses. Yeah. So. The local popularity grew, and in 1939, food critic Duncan Hines visits Sanders' restaurant and includes it in Adventures in Good Eating, his guide to restaurants throughout the USA. And I have an excerpt from it. Corbin, Kentucky. Sanders Court and Cafe, 41, junction with 25, 25E, one-half MI, north of Corbin. I just read the the actual. It's like the actual like location. I just totally butchered that. Do not put me in charge of a submarine. I'm just gonna be like E six nine two. Um, open all years except Christmas. A very good place to stop en route to Cumberland Falls and the Great Smokies. Continuous 24/7, 24-hour service. Sizzling steaks, fried chicken, country ham, hot biscuits. Large, 50 cents to one dollar. D 60 cents to $1. I think D is... Oh, lunch and dinner. It's <laughs> it's lunch and dinner. It's not large. It's lunch and dinner. That's embarrassing. So okay. you notice that like, the names of these people the colonel has interacted with mm-hmm. and even some of the places weirdly correlate with like real-life places? What do you mean? Well, there was Stort, and now this place is by Cumberland Falls, and then Duncan is the, <laughs> is the, the reviewer. Are you saying that there's a fast food conspiracy on our hands? 100%. Illuminati confirmed. Jesus. So, Colonel's, the eye in the middle isn't like some weird Egyptian, like all seeing metaphor. It's just the Colonel just looking the at colonel. you, waiting Through to strike. Through a hole in the <laughs> wall. Through a hole in the wall. In which he watched his chickens. So, in July 1939, why do I have trouble saying that? 1939. It's a really tricky it's a very year. Emotional year. Yeah. The year Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind, came out. Great year for cinema, by the way, 1939. Uh, Sanders acquires a motel in Asheville, North Carolina. His North Car- Corbin restaurant and motel was destroyed in a fire in November 1939. Uh, oh, wow. So yeah. Um, and is San- the oh. original restaurant still open? We'll get to that. Oh. Sanders had it rebuilt as a motel with a 140-seat restaurant. 140C restaurant? Yep. That's a it's big... Huge. That's a big-ass KFC. There's a lot of people that want a KFC. Listen, man. I guess. And this is Where do you get all this chicken in the Great Depression? Listen, I'm sure you can find chicken probably. off a truck. Food <laughs> is something that in the Great Depression probably you could still make decent money on. I could be wrong about that, but it seems well, like... Well, I think it depends on the food because, like, there was a dust bowl at the time. That's so, like, true. vegetables and shit weren't growing. Poor Kentucky, or not Kentucky. The Oklahoma had it the worst because in World War One, uh, th- then they have like a disease outbreak, then they have the Dust Bowl, and then they have World War Two. That what the musical Oklahoma is about? I feel like someone is just taking their information from Oklahoma the musical. What you telling me that uh, my only knowledge of Oklahoma is through Oklahoma the musical? Just a little bit, yeah. That's definitely not true because Oklahoma the musical is a rosy-colored, technicolor dream <laughs> of what Oklahoma was like in those times. Oh gosh. So 1940, July, Sanders, he's done it. He's finalized. 
his secret recipe for frying chicken in a pressure fryer that cooked the chicken faster than the pan frying. And of course, you can't forget the 11 secret herbs and spices. Yeah, that wasn't really included, just that it was a secret recipe. Listen, can we just say that I feel like it's not hard to fry a chicken, yeah. so I don't understand why he's calling it the secret recipe. Because it's like anything, it just sounds herbs cooler. And spices. You know, yeah, I didn't think about the 11 herbs and spices. I think, I think Sanders was afraid when writing his autobiography to include that this ever... He's always known this 11 herbs and spices. <laughs> he just didn't want to make it known. He knew it yeah. was going to be so powerful. But so... He couldn't handle them. Then, 1941 December, the United States enters World War II. Gas was rationed, and tourism dries up for understandable reasons, and Sanders was forced to close his motel, and then he went to work as a supervisor in Seattle until the later part of 1942. This man's really good at getting jobs. Yeah. If there's one thing that's been constant in his life is, uh, I got fired. Uh, I got hired. <laughs> um, guys, I would just like to say I have pulled up the 11 herbs and spices. What? Sacrilege. Yeah. So, Your eyes are going to burn. Here we go. The original. KFC recipe is okay. right here. This is a good tangent. <clears throat> uh, spice herbs and spices number one. Two third tablespoon of wait is a big tea a table or a tea teaspoon. Big tea is tablespoon. All right. Tea is mm-hmm. Teaspoon. Yeah. Teaspoon. All right. Two thirds tablespoon of salt. Okay. A half tablespoon of thyme. Mm-hmm. A half tablespoon of basil. Hold on, I believe it's just thyme. Thyme. Think so. All right. I'm not a chef. I, don't I know. could be wrong. I don't know measurements, so I'm gonna take the word. A third tablespoon of oregano. One tablespoon of celery salt. One tablespoon of black pepper. One tablespoon of dried mustard. Four. That's a lot of paprika. Four tablespoons of paprika. Jesus Christ. Two tablespoons of garlic salt. One tablespoon of ground ginger, and three tablespoons of white pepper. There are three different types of salts in the 11 herbs and spices. That makes sense. He's an American. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> There's a, wait, hold on. You know, I always expected the 11 herbs and spices to be, like, a lot more exotic. Yeah, but it's just, like, shit you can just find in your kitchen. Yeah, that's why they call it a secret recipe, because it sounds a lot better than, like, normal things you put in food. Yeah. <laughs> um, the colonel just raided his cupboards one day and just kind of threw everything together, and that's the secret. That's the it's secret. A miracle. Um, the secret is a miracle. So... He later ran cafeterias for the government at an ordinance works in Tennessee, followed by jobs as an assistant cafeteria manager in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. I should also mention around this time he has a mistress that he had at Ooh. points le- made manager of the North Corbin Restaurant and Motel. Um, so his marriage is uh, kind a name? Of on the rocks. Her name was Claudia Lettington Price. God, you have to be nice. a powerful woman. To be the mistress of the colonel. Yeah. <laughs> also, the fact what did he give what did he give her? She made her he made her in charge of the his North Corbin restaurant and motel that he eventually sold. That's Wait, impressive. actually no. He never sold that one. But he he made her in charge of that. And then in nineteen forty seven he and Josephine divorced. And Rip. Sanders married Claudia in nineteen forty nine. Because he long wanted to, to marry her. It'd been like a long desire. His marriage at that point, I guess, was dead with the other woman, so he was just like, yeah. I feel like once the colonel had actually become the colonel, he was a different man. <laughs> like he needed a different woman. <laughs> um, so then 
you know, he's this has been a bit of a rough patch for him. Like he's like he had the chance to go platinum and he's going gone back to bronze. But things are about to change, because in nineteen four uh, around that time, actually in nineteen fifty, after the war had ended, he's recommissioned as the Kentucky Colonel in nineteen fifty by his friend Governor Lawrence Weatherby. So he has government in his pocket. Yep. He knows people, man. The That's God, how he's able Colonel, to get jobs. God, he knows the Colonel people. is such a he multi-dimensional. All. Yeah, he's like powerful. He's not afraid to punch you. He'll just fucking. He's such a multi-fleshed. This is. I, I want to keep saying this because I want this to be the title of your podcast. Okay. Colonel Sanders is the American hero. Okay. Because he just brute forces yeah. what he wants until he gets it, and then eventually he just ends up making chicken. Pretty much. Um, Business tycoon <laughs> millionaire. Ends up making chicken. Sanders then began to dress the part. He grows a goatee. Yes. He begins wearing a black frock coat, and he later switches to like a white suit, a string tie. Black coat? That's not the colonel I know. That's not my colonel. That's not my colonel. Eventually switches to a white suit. That's my colonel. He has a a string tie, and he refers to himself as colonel. Now, can I ask you a question? In the autobiography that you're pulling this from, Mm -hmm. did it say anything about how he did it like Star Wars Episode Five style, where he just went into the pod and then like the mustache was superimposed (laughs) to his face and the hat just kind of came down slowly, and then he swiveled around and the steam came out and he was like, "I'm the Colonel." I just don't understand. Okay, so like I've done a lot of research for it, and I do not understand because I thought I understood this man to a T, and then it was like he just started calling himself the Colonel and like dressed like one. I'm like. and I don't know where that comes from. Like, I know he's got, like, an ego, a bit of an ego. And that makes sense to me. But I cannot understand why this man, like, dresses like this. Well, no, I think it's given? the next step. If, if he has a big ego, the next step is to revere yourself as a god. Oh. And he's just revered. This is what god looks like to him. Mm-hmm. And he is god. The colonel is god. I know that was mostly made up and, like, BS, but it... it but no, it, it actually was, makes sense. It was me. good BS, though. I believed it. Thank you. <laughs> um... So then his associates at first, they're like, yeah, all right, Colonel. And then eventually it becomes like, Colonel! Like, it becomes, like, more earnest. Like, they're like, yeah. Like, Someone probably scoffed at him and he probably decked him. Probably, honestly. Probably stabbed him with his <laughs> sharp goatee right in the eye. So then he never wears anything else in public during the last 20 years of his life. He just dresses like the Colonel. Because he is He's become... Colonel. He was committed what to was the bit. What his first name again? Because we've only been calling Harland. him... Harland. Harland is dead. Yeah. Colonel there is, is now. only the Colonel. <laughs> yes. There uh, is no Harland, only Colonel. <laughs> he used a uh, heavy wool suit in the winter and a light co- cotton suit in the summer, and he bleached his mustache and goatee to match his white hair. That yeah. has to be painful for back then, because like, like dyes don't hurt anymore. But I feel like dyeing your hair back then stung. Yeah. He kind of just got a bucket of bleach, just held his breath, Some and Kentucky <laughs> chicken sauce, and just <laughs> dipped his head into that. Probably, honestly. You gotta flavor the bleach. You gotta flavor it. <laughs> in 1952, he had already successfully franchised his chicken recipe to Pete Harmon of South Salt Lake, Utah, the operator of one of the largest restaurants in the city. Don Anderson, a sign painter, hired Harmon and coined the name Kentucky Fried Chicken. So, Sanders didn't actually come up with it. So, what, what was he calling his restaurants? 
Sanders Hut. Uh, I don't think he had a name for it. He didn't call You're it the like, Yeah, just go to the, just, you want to go to the chicken place? Oh, what chicken place? You know, the one van by the guy. He it's, decks it's, people it's all the time. He shot that guy. The other, you know, the guy, Stuart. Oh, yeah. Oh, what a guy. Yeah, murder, the, the, yeah, murder his chicken. Yeah. He's crazy. He's just called, like, the Colonel's Chicken. <laughs> Honestly. Chicken a la Colonel. Chicken a la Colonel. Chicken a la Colonel. Uh, so... I'm gonna make... I'm gonna make his recipe, and that's what I'm, I'm gonna make. All right, guys, you're gonna put chicken a la Colonel. It's not hard, apparently. No, you're just gonna just raid your grandma's like spice cabinet. You're good. <laughs> so Sander, he he adopts the name because it distinguished his product from the deep fried Southern fried chicken product found in restaurants. And Harmon claimed that in the first years of selling Kentucky Fried Chicken, his restaurant sales more than tripled, with 75 percent of increase coming from sales of fried chicken. In Utah, a product from Kentucky was so exotic and evoked imagery of Southern hospitality. So it appeals not only to basically like the South, like because that's what they're used to, but you send that up north, people are like, ooh, like Kentucky fried chicken. Ooh, <laughs> exotic Southern food. Yeah. That they're basically they're they're giving them Southern culture. When you said appealed, I thought you were gonna say not only does it appear uh, appeal to the mouth, but oh, no. it appeals to the eyes. <laughs> as the chicken is so golden and tender, it just attracts all. There's a science to it here, boys. <laughs> 1956. Sanders has six or eight franchises, including one operated by Dave Thompson. Thompson developed the rotating red bucket sign and was an early advocate for the takeout concept that Harmon had pioneered and introduced a bookkeeping form that Sanders rolled out across the entire KFC chain. Thomas sold his shares in 1968 for $1 million. Jeez. Around Damn, today, it would be $7 million. Oh, my God. Damn, that's a lot of chicken. And he became the regional manager for all KFC restaurants east of the Mississippi. That's a lot of spice. <laughs> and then he founded Wendy's in 1969. Oh! What? Yeah. Wait, I thought the whole story was like Wendy's dad making burgers like his daughter. That's not true. What? I mean, there's probably some truth to it, but he is the guy who founded it. So, like, a lot of the innovations that came from KFC, he was the one who came up with, and then he went on and started Wendy's. My mind is blown right now. I thought I was here learning about the rich history of the Colonel, but it was just secretly a Wendy's (laughs) origin story the whole time. There's a fast food aristocracy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you got to start somewhere. You know, he's learned the craft from the best, and then he went on to make his own craft. Do you think that, like... Do you think we're going to uncover, like, at some point, Wendy's had, like, a secret affair with Ronald McDonald, <laughs> and they had a child who was, like, just the guy who made Chipotle, and that all fast food chains are just intercollect, like, they're webbed together. In and this- Colonel Sanders' eye through the wall oversees it. it all. We cracked the code. We got it. <laughs> okay, guys, careful walking home after this. We don't know who's going to be after us you're gonna now. You're going to smell the 11 herbs and spices, <laughs> and you're going to know death is imminent. Yeah. <laughs> In 1956, Sanders moved the company headquarters from Corbin to Shelbyville, Kentucky. Oh, boy. Uh, Which offered superior transportation links through which he could distribute his spices, pressure cookers, takeout cartons, and advertising materials. He sold pressure cookers? Uh, It says here he did. Well, I think it's talking about his company. Yeah. His company, like, you know, you got to sell pressure cookers to yourself or, like, you just have them. Basically, he wanted a better transportation hub so he could get his product more out and franchise ah, bigger. What a and, smart man. Uh, and then 
KFC, basically, they start to popularize chicken in the fast food industry, and they diversify the market by challenging the established dominance of the hamburger, which is an odd sentence for Seriously. me to say, but you don't really think about it. You're like, they are really the know. only fast food restaurant at, like, you think about Wendy's and... And, and like, the, the big other. fast food restaurant. Yeah, they're, like, hamburger related. KFC is the only one that really does... Their main thing is chicken, which I always... Oh, wait, what is... And uh, Popeyes. We, we, yeah. And, and Long John Silver's. Yeah. But uh, they came later. Yeah. I think yeah. They, the, the colonel Taco revolutionized Bell. the yeah. game. The colonel's revolutionized the game. That's, we're on a different side of the border here. <laughs> yeah. And also, tacos are, aren't chicken. Yeah. It, they so can be. They... Do you really want chicken taco? No. See? Yeah. I'm not but, a big I mean, guy, anyone who goes like, to Chipotle does. Uh, uh, you get, when you go to Chipotle, everybody knows, and you can fight I, me if you want, <laughs> listener. I love how you're looking directly at the mic. Like, the mic is the I'm listener. addressing, my eyes are the eyes of the Sanders. <laughs> I'm seeing you through my triangle. The move at Chipotle is to get a bowl, because what they do there is if you get a burrito, they, have, they actually are required a certain amount of scoops. A bowl, they do have a certain amount of scoops, but they're really bad at it doing with the bowl because... To them, they just do it mostly by eye. A taco, while it tastes the best, hard or soft, because like they have good shells, is actually the worst move because you get the less, the least amount of food, and I think you pay the most. I'm I feel a like l- you've been to yeah. Chipotle way well, too much. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, like, I've gone to my uh, hometown Chipotle so often that when I walk in around 12, when the 12 o'clock staff is there, I just go straight to the end of the line and my order is delivered. That's that's <laughs> a... I get Christmas cards from one of them. Her that, name is Gloria. Shout out to Gloria. I'm a little bit alarmed that someone <laughs> spends that much time at Chipotle, Chipotle but, you know... Hey, listen, you when, you're, you. when you're five minutes away from a Chipotle and you've been growing up with it... I'm five ways away from an Applebee's, but I don't go and snap well, at a waiter and they, like, pull out a grilled cheese I don't me. snap. I don't snap. I Yeah, that's true. All right. I, I will argue that Applebee's is a fantastic sports bar any day of the week, but we have to move this along. <laughs> oh, I just want to be fair. I don't snap at Gloria. I say, hi, Gloria, how are you? And then I have a conversation with Gloria. And then I go to the end of the line, okay. and then my food shows up. <laughs> Free double meat, too. Um, so I still can't believe that. I so anyway, they popularized the chicken in the fast food industry. And in 1960, the company has around 200 franchises, uh, franchise restaurants. In 1963, it's over 600, making it the largest, fastest food operation in the United States. In 1963, Sanders meets John Y. Brown Jr., a young Kentucky encyclopedia salesman. What? He's a guy that sells encyclopedias. But, like, why? Because there was a time when people went door-to-door and they wanted to know oh, more yeah. about stuff. So, door-to-door encyclopedia. Brown encyclopedias. Yeah. Encyclopedia it's Brown? like selling internet, it's like, yeah. What? It's, it's like Encyclopedia selling... Brown. That's a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he's a detective. Yeah. Encyclopedia Brown is not that guy. Are you not sure? That. It's not that guy. Are you sure? There's some weird the colonel connections has his, in the colonel's greasy, life. Greasy, chickeny fingers in a lot of pots, okay? And we just got to double check every one of those fingers. So, Brown, he wants, or I'll call him John, because Brown, just calling him Brown sounds weird. So, John, he's like, hey, Sanders, I want to join in. I want to be a part of the company. And Kander, Sanders is instead, he's like, I want to propose the sale. I'm looking at my notes. Here we go. I want to sell the company. What? Yeah. But Colonel, why? Because he felt his business skills weren't up to par, and he lacked an obvious or willing heir among his relatives. He had no one he could give the business to. I mean, he did have two daughters. If I want to say something about the Colonel, the Colonel is so 
good of a man. He acknowledges, I'm not going to become old and gray and like corporate greed consume me from the bottom up. The real American hero. The real American, the real American hero American gives hero. away his fortune <laughs> to an encyclopedia. To be fair, <laughs> this man was born at the turn of the century and it's 19, end exactly. of the 50s. Like, like because I, I admire the fact that he at least knows, like, this is not my, this is a young man's game. How many people yeah. can you say have, like, done that? Like, how many yeah. companies have in turn, like, like shit because, like, they're like, I'm, I'm done. I've done my part. Yeah. Young yeah. people. Um, so or, basically. Or businessmen, like, like McDonald's, just, just got stolen by. Yeah. That's true. Colonel Sanders stayed on top. Yep. Till the very end. In 1964, at the age of 73 years old, he sold the Kentucky Fried Chicken Corporation for $25 million. Oh, my God. Which would be $15.3 million today. That's so much money. I mean, he could have made probably a lot more than that, to No, be but, honest. like, still. But in, like, the what? 60s, you could live yeah. off that. Yeah, I know, but, you like... You could live, like, three he, lives out of that. And yeah. he does, but, like, I feel like he could have... three lives? Has he, he been reincarnated? Well, I mean... <laughs> I mean, he still has, like, he still does stuff after this. Like, the adventure of Colonel Sanders is not over. The saga. Just, um, this is kind of the climax, I think, but... How is there not a movie about this man? Because do you really want a, the Hollywood industry to ruin the American hero, Colonel Sanders? Yeah, they're going to make him some, like... I'm just a man of the people. And he's not going to, like, fist fight anybody. It'll just be... I, yeah. just, I just imagine it's, like, young Mr. Lincoln, but, <laughs> but he sells chicken. <laughs> I do declare my chicken is for the American people, by the American people. Stuart, if you don't get off my goddamn sign, I'm going to shoot your goddamn head off. Don't worry, chickens. Well, I brought with me for this bit. I won't shoot him in front of you. Colonel Sanders could totally get like the Walt Disney treatment in that you're not allowed to poorly just show him off. It's hard to not poorly show him off, though. I mean, well, he did punch people in the face and try to kidnap his yeah, children. Yeah, but you can make Let's that, you can, bad but you can make yeah. that look awesome. I, that's true. Not uh, the kidnapping I, your kids part, hey, but listen, the punching people. I think I've flopped over since then <laughs> because of how inspired I am by the colonel. If he wants to stalk his kids, let him stalk his kids. <laughs> I've done a complete 180. So... Right here on this podcast, you hear it here. Austin is pro stalking kids. No, no, uh, I'm not no, pro stalking yeah, kids. He said, "Let him stalk his kids." That's all I heard. If you establish, so are we reinstating the quote? Colonel Sanders is a wholesome man. Maybe we'll get there. <laughs> as, I think it's fine as long as you a are an American hero. Which at this point, I think we all agree the colonel. Oh, is. he's a def- yeah, he's an American hero. Start a huge multi-million dollar company. Um, we, we have to move on though a little bit because we're. Hold on. Okay, fine. I'll leave it at those two points then. <laughs> Colonel, real American hero. He's great. He's, He's great. great. Okay. All right. So, despite selling the company, Sanders retained significant moral authority over executive and franchise franchisees, and made his feelings clear when he disagreed with corporate decisions. When Macy moved company headquarters to Kentucky to Nashville, Tennessee, Sanders <gasps> was quoted as saying, in one of my favorite lines this man has ever said. This ain't no goddamn can Tennessee fried chicken, no matter what some slick silk suit son of a bitch says. That's a beautiful, beautiful quote. I Do you want me to say it again? Kind of, yeah. yeah. This ain't no goddamn Tennessee fried chicken, no matter what some slick silk suited son of a bitch says. Wait, how old is he at this point? 73. Oh, he's definitely like slapping the table and like getting his rifle out to shoot <laughs> some silk slick person. So he believed that the company had, uh, 
basically went against the, their contract with him when they opened operations in Canada, arguing that the contract had granted him the exclusive rights to operate there. And KFC was forced to re-go... They were basically forced to renegotiate with Sanders regarding the Canadian activities <laughs> as he owned $1.5 million worth of stock and was using it to prevent Macy from listing the company publicly until his points of issues were addressed. And it's like that his main point of issue is that they're not in Kentucky. <laughs> well, he's he. I think it's more funny. He's like, you guys want to operate in Canada? Well, I want it too. I know I wanted out of this business, but for some reason, I'm really pushing for Canada. Colonel Sanders, down but never out. <laughs> so Brown and Macy, the two guys that now own the company, they claim that Sanders... I should also mention that Macy like is part of the owner. It's him and Brown, the encyclopedia salesman. Encyclopedia right. Brown. Encyclopedia Brown. Um, they claim that he only had the rights to process chickens in Canada. And after they renegotiate the contract to guarantee Sanders' exclusive rights over Canada, he sold his stock to them, and the, com- the company went public in 1966. By 1967, KFC had become the sixth largest restaurant chain in the U.S. by sales volume, and 30% of sales were takeout. The chain had reached 3,000 outlets in 48 different countries by 1970, but expansion was often chaotic and poorly executed. A member of KFC senior management described the international strategy as... Wait, I don't want to derail, but do you think they're only poor and chaotic because the colonel had taught them to punch whoever stood in their way? <laughs> yes. I just like to think that's KFC's management style is just like, KFC's oh, yeah? Oh. <laughs> KFC training videos start with saying, first thing you need to know, the customer's always wrong. But a solid punch can solve any problem. And if the man is too big, a frozen chicken will knock him out. <laughs> Guaranteed. And remember, keep the rifle right underneath the register. Yeah. Not for the robbers, for the customer. Um, so, the... The customer is always a target. <laughs> the KFC senior management, he describes the international strategy as throwing some mud against the map of a wall and <laughs> hoping some of it would stick. The first outlet in Japan had opened after just two weeks' preparation, and it proved to be a costly failure, and it loses over $400,000 during its opening month, and wasting more chicken than it sold. Does, so does the American cat- hero has left, and the uh, empire he's built is slowly falling around him. Does yeah. the concept of Kentucky Fried Chicken even work overseas? Yeah, I know. Like, I do people in Japan, like, Japan, you know, Japan as, as crazy as Americans can be about Japanese crap, there are some American-obsessed Japanese that people. That is true. That's true. Also, it's probably like... like they The American like, South, too. Like, Western, yeah. you know, is going to appeal to, like... It's kind of like Europe a samurai movie here. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So, do-do-do-do-do. Sanders remained the company's symbol after selling it, traveling 2,000 miles a year on the company's behalf and filming many TV commercials and appearances. That's why everybody knows him. It's because after he sold the business, he became their spokesperson. And he remained... I was happy that... I was going to ask, like, at the end, like, yeah. was the colonel we know and love the actual colonel? That, for, yeah, that was yes. him. That, makes, that brings a tear to my eye. So he retained much influence over executives and franchises, and... Uh, they basically respected his culinary expertise and feared what... Uh, oh, excuse me. I, I messed up for a second. So basically, he's got all the influence and power, and they're still really afraid of him because he's got this culinary expertise 
and he's a force of nature. The New Yorker described as the force of and variety of his swearing. Um, <laughs> basically, he would go into restaurants, and when he would like check on the restaurant, if it wasn't up to his like like satisfaction, he would like fucking throw a fit. Basically, uh, you know, he's I, the spokesman of the company. I say, I say that's a good thing. Yeah. When the colonel's in town, he's not playing around. Every KFC needed to be colonel approved. So It's probably why, because I'm going to tell you, the KFCs I've been inside have all been, like, pretty gross. Yeah. So I'd like to imagine the colonel would not approve of them. The colonel is howling in his grave, probably. Turning like a Ferris wheel, as they say. Um, (laughs) That's my favorite. Um, So one change the company made was to the gravy, which Standard had bragged was so good It'll make you throw away the darn chicken and just eat the gravy. Wait, let me read that more like him. It'll make you throw away the drone. Oh, sorry. It'll make you throw away the darn chicken and just eat the gravy. <laughs> but which the company simplified to reduce time and cost. I can drink some gravy. I don't think it's gross. <laughs> and Sanders increasingly regretting selling the company and his relationship with new owners had soured. And he began to complain of the company's declining food quality to the media. Quote, my God, that gravy is horrible. They buy tap water for 15 to 20 cents, a thousand gallons, and then they mix it in the flour and starch and end up with pure wallpaper paste. And another thing, that new crispy recipe is nothing in the world but a goddamn fried dough ball stuck on some chicken. Like, this He's is... got such a way with words. I know. I, I know. The colonel should have like written some like like books or something. Well, he yeah. does have his autobiography. No, but like I want more. I want like like the colonel's thesis <laughs> or <laughs> some shit like that. But like this has become book. such a sad just story because colonel. you have this American hero. And he just slowly watches his empire He's watched, fall Yeah, it's burning him. around him, and mm-hmm. all he has is his chicken and just his voice. Mm-hmm. He's like shouting at a wall. I feel like. So the and, outburst. Like, prompts the KFC franchise, the board, in Bowling Green, Kentucky, to unsuccessfully attempt to sue Sanders for liable. They're going to they have oh, the man, balls to take on you, the Sanders. That's how you get your ass beat. And in 1976, they attempt to sue Sanders after he opened a restaurant in Shelby, Kentucky, under the name Claudia Sanders, the Colonel's Lady Diner House. Hmm. Just so sweet, right? Yeah. His mistress, he named it after her. That's I so love cute. that Colonel Sanders will sold his 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 empire in fear that he didn't know enough to like keep succeed. it afloat. Yeah. And then upon seeing that nobody knew any better than him, decided to open up a new goddamn restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Is it still around today? We'll get to what exactly happens, like no. trust me. Um so he basically in retaliation attempts to sue the people for $122 million, which is around $570 million in 2013. Oh my God. Over the alleged misuse of his image in promoting products he had helped develop, he had not helped develop, and for hindering his ability to franchise restaurants. And the spokesperson described it as a nuisance suit. And in 1975, they settled out of court with Sanders for $1 million. <laughs> Around today, one million in two thousand. Colonel can never go under. The colonel always comes on top. Yeah, and they allowed his restaurant venture to go ahead under the reworked name Claudia Sanders Diners Diner House. 
As late as 1979, Sanders made surprise visits to KFC restaurants, and if the food disappointed him, he denounced it to the franchisees as goddamn slop or pushed it onto the floor. Sanders died in 1980 from pneumonia at the age of 90. So even, like, natural death couldn't stop Sanders. He, yeah. had, to, he had to get a disease. Um, like, yeah, ammonia mm. had to sabotage him. He had been continuing to travel up to 200,000 200, to 250,000 miles a year up to this time, largely by car, promoting his product. So this dude, 90 years old, was still taking fucking cross-country road trips to Just, promote that chicken. That's like a... This man truly this was is, an yeah, American his odyssey, hero. Yeah, yeah. This is like the saga of, like, the American Odysseus. Yes. By branding himself as Colonel Sanders, Harlan became a prominent figure of American culture history, and his image remains widely used in KFC advertising. So if anybody's listening that's not from the States, uh, he is one of... His image is very iconic. Oh, yeah. I feel like by the time you've learned to walk as an American... You've you seen know the, the Colonel. You know yeah, the Colonel. You've seen the Sanders. You felt the Sanders. Uh, now that I know the Colonel's like life story and how things kind of went down towards the end, yeah, I'm kind of ashamed that like just Reba McIntyre is running around just as the Colonel now. Well, no, because Reba McIntyre wasn't the first. I think I was like Norm Macdonald. I just I'm just not a fan of Reba McIntyre. I uh, love the fact that they got Reba McIntyre to do it. If they had to pick any country star, I'm happy with Reba McIntyre. But like, because it was like Norm Macdonald, Bob Riggle, Andy Bo- Ricker. Yeah, Andy Ricker. I think Bobby Moynihan auditioned. Dolph Ziggler, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair. It's an odd time. Seriously. They found everybody they could find. Um, Let's not forget crossover with DC Comics. There's a whole. Oh, uh, there's a whole no. issue. No. No. Don't Lantern say that. No. And the Colonel. Have no. This is a real thing. It was a promotional thing. Like last year, to be honest, it's like someone look this recent. up and show me. I gotta see the Colonel kick ass. Um, it's like the Colonel, and he's just like flying through space with the Green Lantern. All right, so but I have to relate it to the place now. So the original KFC restaurant reop- was renovated and reopened as the Harlan Sanders Cafe as a museum in the fall of 1990. That's nice. A mo- so this is the description of it: a modern KFC kitchen uh, was also built adjacent to the cafe on some of the former motel land and the two structures attached by an entering lobby that contains many of the smaller museum displays. The model motel room was restored to its original state as part of the renovation and modern restrooms added to the back of the original structure. While at the museum, visitors can tour the office of Harlan Sanders, see the kitchen where Sanders developed the KFC secret formula, and view KFC memorabilia. Aww. So... It's like a bittersweet ending. It is a bittersweet ending. Jesus Christ. I'm just being shown the <laughs> the colonel uh, getting like his chicken blasted by the Green Lantern. Uh, and it's just... Is it? Is it look at great? it. It's, <laughs> I don't know why it says never again, but the colonel's literally getting it zapped out of his hand. Oh, my God. This is it like literally a real thing. This is like a real like issue. It really intense, like, uh, <laughs> It's fango. All right, so I so we always do Yelp reviews, and I decided right now I'm looking it up because I, I think it's worth adding. I found some Yelp reviews online of the worst reviewed KFCs because they're usually the most entertaining. I'm just where, you have to tell me where the worst reviewed KFCs are. Well, I typed it in, and Cicero, New York was the first.
first thing that came up. Oh, boy. Oh, nice. So this is near us. So... Do, 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 do. Uh... The chicken's bad. Okay. That's Terrible a- service. I had to wait in line for 10 minutes when I got to order. The cashier did not know how to enter coupons, so that took another five minutes, and they were rude. The food that I got was good and warm, good warm, but I needed to go back to the counter for more ketchup, and I had to say "excuse me" five times to finally get someone's attention. The building is an older design and very dirty. The restrooms are so-so. The main reason I give this restaurant one star is because of their service. If you want to wait in line for 20 minutes and get served by rude employees, then go here. I would definitely not recommend this KFC to anyone. Mm. You know, I, I want to feel like with every one-star Yelp review, the colonel's spirit just gets angrier and angrier until eventually he's going to come back from the grave. He's going to smite all how of the, the world, one-star. Yeah, the world's yeah. going to end when the colonel rises. As, as, as we fall, I'm picturing a big earthquake. As we fall, this green ethereal kernel just comes up like, a finger licking end. Okay, so this is a KFC in Northwestern Avenue, Los Angeles, California. They're not going to like it. The most dis- absolutely disgusting restroom I have ever been in, and I've been to gas stations in the ghetto. <laughs> the bar right. I set for fast food restrooms is very low. This restroom has urine everywhere and trash piled high, and it was a locked bathroom, so you would think it would be a little better than that, considering it's locked, and not just anyone could walk in and trash it. When I went to bring the key back to the attendant, I told her that it was disgusting and needed attention. I get it, dot, dot. I've worked with the public my whole life, and when someone comes to tell me the restroom needs attention... I shut. Uh, okay, wait. Dot dot dot. I shudder. Nobody likes to deal with it. But she looked at me and said nothing at all. Didn't alert anyone. And I was in the restaurant for another ten minutes after this, and nobody went to even check the restrooms. I get that it's a KFC, and I shouldn't expect too much. But that's repulsive. And if they leave their restroom that's on display to their customers, then I wonder how clean the kitchen should be. Dot See, dot dot. This brings up an interesting question. What did the colonel think when he judged the bathrooms? Did he even ever judge the bathrooms? See, I feel like he probably didn't make it to the bathrooms. He just came. He was too concerned with the chicken. Yeah, just the chicken. It's all about the chicken for the colonel. God, I want a big thing of drumsticks now. Is there a KFC near us? Yes. And what a perfect way to end a podcast than an advertisement for KFC. And their delicious line of crispy, delicious We'd all all, uh, pull over into a KFC. Yes, but the KFC we're talking about is the original KFC. Oh, I'd 100%. Hands down. I want to know. This man has such an interesting story, and it was one of my favorite stories to research and tell because he did so much during his life, and it's such an interesting story. He's just an interesting dude, and not in a weird way. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I expected, like... I expected to be disturbed by the, the, yeah. the Sanders. No. Me too. Not inspired by yeah. the Sanders. But, like, if Colonel Sanders... Colonel Sanders, I feel like he believes in our dreams, you know? Mm. If I could think of a role model, I think my newest role model Colonel is Sanders. Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders. Uh. And with that, we have reached the final part of our podcast, and now I have to beg people to go on iTunes... And subscribe if you like this podcast. And also, 
We're on SoundCloud. Follow us if you're listening to us on SoundCloud. You know, um, check out our other episodes. We have a bunch of great episodes on there. Um, I appreciate you guys listening, and, uh, you know, I would not be doing this if it weren't for all of you. Can I plug one of your episodes that I like? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I like the Bikini Atoll one. That yeah. one was good. That is definitely one that you should check out. Bikini Atoll is really good. Um, if you're from North Carolina, South Carolina, that area, and you're interested in learning more about that area's history, uh, South of the Border episode I South did with James. South of the Border is a fun one. Yes. Um, what, was, what was the Alien Brothel? The Alien Brothel in Arizona is really that's, good. Really that's underrated. That's a fun one. Is that one? Uh, that's the third episode I did. All right, I'm going to look that Let's one see, up afterwards. It's definitely worth checking out. All right, everybody. Have a great time. Uh, appreciate y'all coming back, and thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.